Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Jeff Cohen. He is an entrepreneur and founder of six businesses. He has also worked uh, with over 300 CEOs for eight years to test and implement his Count Onable method and patent pending process. In his new book, Count Onable, he, a practical guide to lift, shift, and empower you and your team, he lays out the number one impact to every business in a simple structured approach that eliminates this problem. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lance. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Uh, before we get into everything um, and what you do with Count Honorable, I would love to, and our audience would too, is how did you get here? Did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs? Are you the first? What led you to business? So, you know, um, things happen when we are very young and they shape our entire lives, whether we know it or not. Um, the second chapter of the book actually gets you to where I, how I got to be an entrepreneur at the age of eight. And before that, your reader, your listeners are definitely going to want to check out the first chapter, which they can just download off the website. But um, because that's the initial trigger that I formed in my life. So how did I get to be an entrepreneur? Very simple. I wanted stickers from all the major sports teams. So I wrote them all letters and I mailed them. And lo and behold, I got a stack of stickers. It was enormous, like could choke a horse, right? At eight years old, there's only a couple of things you can do with stickers like that. The first thing I did was I approached my mom and I said, mom, can I put them on this wall in my bedroom? And it was about the fastest no I'd ever gotten. <laughs> so asking if I could put them on her car was just not doable at that point. Instead, I put them on my notebook and I had a lot left over and my friends started asking if they could buy them. And suddenly I became an entrepreneur and my dad said, wow, you made a bunch of money. I think I'd made $50 at the time. He said, you're an entrepreneur. And I said, wow, that's amazing. What is that? <laughs> and um, so that's, that's been my early start um, in my adult life. I've worked for and with, you know, Fortune 500, Global 2000 accounts um, primarily, and then um, took on starting my own company in the early 2000s, a software company that grew rapidly to 50 people and uh, became an eight-figure business. Beautiful, beautiful. I love that story, especially from, a, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, my childhood absolutely formed why I'm an entrepreneur as well. So I resonate that with 100%. Um, one other thing that I also, and I think we agree on is that entrepreneurship can create all sorts of freedom for you that you would not be able to have if you were working for somebody else. So tell us, why do you focus on creating entrepreneurial freedom? Because most entrepreneurs are handcuffed by their business and it's not their intent. They all get into starting a business because they want that freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really takes development work, like personal development work on me, on you, like to get how you can be free. And, you know, you mentioned the name of the book, uh, Count Honorable, a practical guide to lift, shift, and empower you 
and your team. Because here's the thing, most business owners go in and they want to either have a business they can sell or a business that they can have their whole life and then either pass on or sell because they've created value. And most people don't realize selling a business is not for the faint of heart. If someone is going to buy a business and you are the most important person in that business, it means you really have no freedom. So you're not taking a vacation and having the entire time spent with your, your spouse and, and your family. You're spending two to four hours a day working. That's not really a vacation. And your family resents that. Mm-hmm. I can tell you personally how that went for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, one of my favorite authors, Mike Michalowicz, is on a journey to eliminate entrepreneurial poverty. Well, I'm on a journey to create entrepreneurial freedom. I want people to be able to take time off. I want them to create leaders in their business that create leaders in their business. Because when you do that, now you have a business that will grow with and without you. So critical. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best pieces of advice I was given very early on in in starting one of our businesses was, you need to find somebody that you can replace yourself with um, and then multiply that from there. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening to this show that are, that are running successful and profitable companies. And maybe they think, well, I shouldn't, maybe I, like, I don't need to be doing anything differently. What would you tell that person? And, and why should they be doing something differently if they are currently running a successful, and profitable company? Well, I say it in the very beginning of the book, if, You've created a business that doesn't count on you to be there and it's profitable. Put down the book and go do something else. <laughs> I mean, you might pick some things up. I promise, I promise there's something in there for everybody. And by the way, really easy read. Every chapter is three or four pages. People like me with ADD, no problem picking it up for five minutes and then putting it down. But The reality, Lance, is it's really simple, is that, you know, most people that are successful are always looking for where they can up their game, where they can help their team up their game. And they're always doing something introspective. And if they're not, my hat is off to them that they found a formula that works. And I really support that. And I still think there probably are some things that, Um, they would want to have for their team and for themselves and their family that maybe they don't. It's just a question of like, what do you prioritize in your life? Yeah. Let's get into the book a little bit more. What is, what is this, what does it mean to you to be count honorable? Unpack that little phrase you've created for us. Yeah. Thanks very much. Well, so first off um, I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, before I commercialized the term count honorable, um, it had been, um, I identified six times that it had been used prior. Six times. That's wow. it. Wow. In the world. But the very first time was a pastor addressing his church in the 1980s. And I was just shocked and floored when I saw that reference. It was very interesting. I put that in the back of the book so people can learn about that. Um, it, it stems from accountability. In 2013, I took a program called the Team Management Leadership Program. 
and I learned how to be accountable and I learned how to embrace it. The thing is, is that was a two-year program. I didn't learn that overnight and I really, really resisted it. So most people heard the term accountable last night at six o'clock when they were watching the news and there was someone going to jail that was going to be held accountable. Politician that was in trouble that needed to be held accountable, right? Now, the experience most people have is they're not being held accountable. They're being held at gunpoint and it's not fun. And it requires that someone on the other end actually hold them accountable, right? But most organizations and people do not have the structure in place to create accountability and manage it. So in 2013, in this program, I got 50 CEOs, business owners, and entrepreneurs together. We met in small groups, and we started looking at where the gap was in our business, and we found it was in communication. What about communication? Well, to unpack that, you just have to look at was it effective or not? You know, um, people at an early age learn phrases to get you off their back. Hmm. Last weekend, I was at a friend of mine's, my foster daughter who's just turned one, and my friend and his daughter who was seven, we went out to dinner and frozen yogurt. We took the wagon, put them both in. The seven-year-old's going to watch the one-year-old. It's all good, right? On the way back from dinner, we're stopping at frozen yogurt. I turn my head, and my one-year-old is standing up while the, while the um, carriage is moving. And I said to the seven-year-old, I said, I said, first off, I got her to sit down. Yeah. And I, I said to the seven-year-old, I said, hey, um, when she does that, could you please make sure that I know? She goes, I told you. I said, wow. So clearly I didn't hear her, right? Um, so then I looked at her and I said, well, can you do me a favor? And she picked her head up from the device she was on because kids are doing that today. Yeah. Like us adults. And she said, what? I said, would you please let me know and make sure I answer you? if something like that happens again. And she said, got it. And then she put her head back down and started playing her game again. And so most people would leave it right there, right? Great, she's got it, no problem, boom. But that's not effective communication. I don't know if she really got it. All I know is she knows how to say the two words, got it. So I said to her, Can, I'm just curious, what did you get? Mm -hmm. And she had to think about it for about 15 seconds mm -hmm. that I should tell you and make sure you hear me. I said, great, thank you. Yeah, closing so the feedback loop. Yeah, most managers don't have that and they're often approaching their people with whatever it is that they're accountable for and asking them about it at an unscheduled, inopportune time. Yeah. And that is not something that creates trust and you have no idea if the team is aligned. And so Countdownable comes from the notion 
that you can build an organization where your team knows what their strengths are, what they love doing, and what they're good at. More importantly, what their weaknesses are, what they hate doing, and what they're bad at. And the result of that is they can tell you, you can count on me for this, this, and this, but you can't count on me to wash the dishes. I hate that, they'll stack up, I might get to them eventually, they might get clean. And so the most valuable thing you can get from your people is to know what they're not count onable for. And the most valuable thing they can get is what they are, because I promise when they have that and they have the job that they have strengths in, are good at and love doing those three things, then that'll be their dream job. And the odds that they're going to leave it tomorrow in this great resignation are severely limited, which makes your hiring costs go down, your cost of managing clients and business and operations go down, keeps valuable um, assets in your company and culture in your company that you don't have to recreate with somebody new and gives your company the ability to start looking at, okay, now what are the areas this person wants to grow into and can grow into and how do we create that? Yeah. So I know that was the dollar answer for the nickel question. It was very good though. Yeah. I mean, you stopped me from asking another question and that was going to be what, what if I can't count on someone for something, but I think that was, you answered it perfectly. Um, why do you think people though resist being accountable? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, I think it really goes back to, you know, when somebody says to you, okay, I need you to do this, 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 and this. And you say, okay, right? It's often because you're not empowered to say no. Or even if you are empowered to say no, there's often a consequence, a penalty. You know, I refer to it as, as, um, as the penalty zone. And I just want to say that we're in business. This is not hockey. There is no penalty box. Like when you take your people out, you get no productivity. So why do you put them in a position where they have the experience that they've disappointed you and that they're not living up to the A status of when you hired them? Because you, the business owner, the CEO, the manager, took your A player and you gave them a B or a C job. And now they're disappointing the hell out of you. And I promise, after you get off the phone with them or the meeting with them where you've reconciled what they've not done, they're beating themselves up. And you'll either get a forced outcome by them in order to achieve what you want to achieve, and the result is never going to be as good as the one you'd have liked. And they have the experience that they might not be wanted, they might not be loved, there's all these might nots, right? And they keep replaying it for days in their head. And you add enough of those up and then they leave. So people resist being accountable. 
it's got really bad PR, the word accountable. You look in the dictionary and it says holding somebody responsible. Again, back to holding someone at gunpoint. Got it. Uh, what do you think is the most important thing that someone can do um, to move their company to be on the account, the account honorable system? Well, um, first off, I just want to acknowledge um, being count honorable um, is a very easy thing to do. The thing that takes some effort is staying on track for it. And so the reason the book has a subtitle, A Practical Guide, because it actually gives you step by step. Do this, do this. Here's the meeting schedule. Here's what you want to accomplish in the meetings. Here's how you avoid triggering somebody, right? Because when you trigger someone, and for me, again, chapter one, you'll find it. I will waste 20 to 30 minutes of your time. I'm really effective at it when I get triggered. Um, and my wife does a really good job at it sometimes too. Uh, but follow that plan. If you need some help, you know, put some time on my calendar. I'm glad to, you know, get to know you and, you know, answer some questions and see if there's some support you could get. The main thing is, is it, it's all in the book. It's actually your blueprint for going from a system of accountability that may or may not be working for you to a system where you're empowering your people, creating leaders and leadership, and giving your company an opportunity to create the kind of value a buyer would want. Yeah, I love that. It doesn't sound too difficult. Um, is there anything else from the book you, you, you want to you plug um, before I ask you some, some last minute questions that I sort of ask everybody as we uh, come up on the half hour mark here? Sure. Well, first off, there's, a, there's three main frameworks in the book, and they're all downloadable off of countonable.com. One is the trust framework because, you know, without trust, you're not getting anywhere with people. And by the way, trust always falls out, right? Like people are always looking for the reason that they can't trust you, mm-hmm. even if they do. The number, the other framework is the alignment framework, which basically says, hey, look, if you're going to have trust, then your team needs to be aligned. They all need to be going in the same direction at the same time. It doesn't pay to have five high-performing sports cars driving on different freeways. You know, having a low-performing bus that everybody's on going the same place at the same time, that pays off. So when you put those two things together, you get the trust alignment framework and you start learning. Remember that thing I talked about, effective communication? Mm -hmm. You start learning how to use that after you know what the outcome is that you want from a communication. And you start focusing on that instead of an emotional conversation you might have at the last minute at four o'clock Friday afternoon when everyone's thinking about going on vacation. So um, I highly recommend that you look at those um, frameworks and the process. And if you need help, you know, just reach out. There'll be a link on my website you can go to and we'd be more than happy to set up a time to talk. Beautiful. 
Uh, switching gears entirely, I would love to hear your take as a business a businessman and entrepreneur. Um, what is your take on the current economy and where it's headed and how business owners should prepare for it? You know, it sucks that we're in an inflationary period. Like, I don't think there's anybody happy about here in California. I just paid $6 a gallon for gas last night. My goodness. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's nothing more fun than that. Right. Um, and I do a lot in the sustainability world um, with um, an incubator green to gold that I work with. So I'm very attuned to that. Um, the reality is, is that we're in some, some difficult times. We haven't seen stuff like this since the eighties, but you know, I see businesses adjusting by raising their prices because they've got to do that. I see individuals adjusting by either cutting back on things or not. And it's going to take a little time before we catch back up. But you've got to stay focused on your core business. Don't use this moment as an opportunity to say, oh, there's three other things I can add that'll lighten the load. Mm. Stay focused on what you do and what you do best, right? What is your company's superpower? Mine is I help take companies that want to be accountable and resist it into a world where people can embrace being countdownable, right? Mm -hmm. What is yours? Focus on it. Yeah. What would you say to somebody like Elizabeth Warren, though, who claims that uh, business owners are simply raising their prices because they have the excuse to rather than they need to? That may be true. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, if the market will bear it, mm -hmm. business owners have an opportunity. I mean, I just went and, and brought my dry cleaning in. I remember before the pandemic, I was paying something like $3.50 a shirt and suddenly it's $4.99, mm -hmm. right? Now I haven't had my shirts done in a year and a half because I've been home. But so it's a, like a big shock, right? Did I take my shirts and say, no, I'm going to go start shopping around? No, I dropped them off. I'm picking them up on Saturday and I'll have clean press shirts for when I'm doing in-person events. Now, listen, I respect that she may believe that and it may be true. And this is a capitalist society where businesses get to do that. And is it price gouging? Well, I tell you, from a consumer standpoint, it sure can feel that way at times. But we as consumers are not looking at the P&L and balance sheet of the companies that are raising prices right. to see how their businesses have been affected, right? And I know that the government's done an awful lot of that because everyone files tax returns, so they know. Mm -hmm. But you and I, we have no idea. So all I can say is you got to do business with people that you trust, that you like, and that you believe in. And that goes for big and small businesses. And if you feel like the price is an issue for you, speak up. Yeah. What's the worst thing that can happen? A business owner says, hey, I'm really sorry. We're having to do this because of the great impact we've had. Or, you know, the cost of our goods has gone up and we need to recover that. You know, there's nothing 
that would keep me from having a conversation with another business owner to understand what's going on there. And also it's a tough time for a lot of people and we just have to recognize that they're learning to deal with it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. That was a great answer. Um, one of the last questions that I like to ask every guest is knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your first business, what is one piece of advice you give yourself? Um, the number one thing, and you'll find this um, out if you find my Shark Tank episode in season one, it was episode five. Okay. And there was another Jeff Cohen that presented in episode six. So just know there's two of us. Mm -hmm. um, the number one thing that really caused damage in my life was I mortgaged my house multiple times as I grew my business because we had... Mm enormous cash needs as we grew, you know, grow, growth takes funding. And I refused the VC that I talked to because he said he was a shark. Well, let me just tell you, had I not had all of that debt and I didn't focus on the growth the way that I did, I'd be in a much different conversation with you today probably but by sharing all of the failures I've had, which I do a lot of them in the book and, and what I learned, I see that people get more from that than if I just share what I've succeeded at. And there's been a lot of that too. Yeah. So I would just say, don't mortgage your house, bootstrap your company, find a way to keep your family secure while you're getting started or you know, take investors on and be, you know, be accountable. Cause if you're the CEO and founder, you're the only person in the company that truly is be accountable for that. Yeah. Great advice. And I love that you highlighted that in your book, you highlight the failures that is so important for people to learn from everybody else's failures if they can and believe that, that you know, that they happened and, and all of that. Jeff, this has been wonderful. I really want to thank you for your time. Um, where can people find, follow, and learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, that's great. So come to countonable.com. I'm just going to spell it real quick. It's C-O-U-N-T-O-N-A-B-L-E.com. Um, and, you know, join our communities. Um, take all of the downloads from the book. I invite you to go to Amazon and help us launch the book. We're launching here on June 14th um, and leave a, um, a review. If you've read the book or you've read the first chapter that you can get, if you go to the website and request it and um, yeah, I'd love to be um, in your world. So feel free to, to send me messages through the site and I'll be happy to be in communication. Beautiful. I encourage everybody who's listening to go check that out. Um, Jeff, thanks again for your time. We, 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 we really appreciate it and value your insight. Yeah, thanks, Lance. It's a pleasure being here. And I really appreciate being on your podcast. 